For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, JC, with the season just a few short weeks away, Thanksgiving holiday upon us, we are here to feast on this brand new Lakers roster, up and down, the best team in the NBA. How's that for a hot take to get us started on the Hoopball Lakers podcast? JC, number one in your hearts, number one on the mic. How the hell are you? The Lakers look pretty good, don't they? Yeah, doing very well. The Lakers have had a really good start to, uh, free, well, free agency is pretty much over at this point because they've got to start figuring out uh, where all the pieces fit in and uh, everything's going, but a lot to be thankful for on Thanksgiving week. Uh, I think there's no doubt that while we're all cognizant of the challenges and sacrifices and you know everything that 2020 has presented to all of us, uh, we have to continue to find the good. And one of those good things for Lakers fans is, is, is with this brand new revamped roster. I mean, JC, instead of Rondo, you got Dennis Schroeder. Instead of Danny Green, you got Wes Matthews with KCP back in the fold. Uh, you got Montrez Harrell and Mark Gasol down low instead of Dwight and JaVale, and you brought Markeith Morris back on a minimum deal. I mean, JC, I really, as a Lakers fan, as a Lakers critic, as a Lakers observer, as anybody connected to the Lakers in any capacity, I think it's really difficult to criticize the job that Rob Palenka did this offseason in such a short amount of time, and not only you know maintaining the integrity of the team, but also improving the key imp uh, components of it, especially you know by betting on some of that youth and, of course, at this time, Anthony Davis remains unsigned, but we all consider that just a formality in terms of what contract he wants. And things are certainly getting interesting with Bam Adebayo signing a max deal in Miami and the Bucks not getting Bogdan Bogdanovich, but we'll find out about that soon enough. I want to keep the focus on this Lakers team because, goddamn, JC, what a squad. Yeah, I mean, all the things that we, we loved about last year's roster, their defensive versatility, um, the way – just they can mix and match different lineups to, to achieve specifically different things, whether they wanted a defensive-oriented lineup or a more offensive-oriented lineup. All those things, they basically improved all of that and at the same time got younger, so they are, have their eyes to the future. With with the LeBron James team, Cleveland has made this mistake. Miami has made this mistake. You, you load so much for the now because of LeBron. You don't think about the future. Um, and, you know, one of the criticisms of him is that he kind of leaves – every place he's gone uh, and kind of leaves a mess behind him. If he were to leave in a couple of years, the Lakers would be fine with this. Schroeder's on an expiring $15.5 million deal. Wes Matthews was signed for 3.6 using the biannual exception. Markeith Morris is a minimum deal. Trez has a player option in year two, which I'd be shocked if he didn't exercise regardless of the ultimate outcome. The only mild surprise, and I say mild, very, uh, 
very mildly, for lack of a better word, is that Marcus Saul's two years deal is a straight two year deal. There is no team or player option there. So I, I did not know that Marcus Saul was going to sign a two year deal that was going to be a quote unquote real two year deal. And KCP's contract, you know, it's three years, closer to $39 million, and only about $5 million or so is guaranteed in, in year three. So the Lakers have done a really good job of preserving their salary cap flexibility. And I got to say, pretty good for a guy who doesn't know the uh, salary cap or CBA like so many were saying when Palenka was hired. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's come out in the last week, uh, some of P- Rob Palenka's highlights from when he played basketball at Michigan, and he was a really good basketball player then. And clearly Kobe understood it. Uh, when no, maybe nobody else did, but yeah, this guy knows basketball, and so he clearly knows what he's doing. I mean, the fit of this team is really coming together. I, I still contend that despite bringing KCP back, which I can't understate the importance of that, and we'll get into that, okay? But despite having KCP back, despite having Wes Matthews on the roster, I believe in Taylor Horton Tucker. That's all fine and good. I think the Lakers still need at least one more wing here, JC, and I, I realize that you know, this is our springboard to talk about Alfonso McKinney a little bit, but even with him, I still feel like the Lakers need one more wing. Are you with me there? Yeah, they, they've got two roster spots left. Um, there's a lot of talk about whether they should get one more seven-foot big or another wing, like you said. And I'm, I'm of the thought that they should use one of those two spots for a wing that's going to get some minutes. I think that the wing should be an area of emphasis. Of course, my Jake Bowder dream uh, sort of died on the table there. Not that his contract was unreasonable with Phoenix, but they did give him three years. They did use the mid-level to do it. So he got the same money as Montrez. I'm not going to be mad about that. I think they're obviously very different players. But, you know, that type of player, uh, you know, Wes Matthews is that type of player. He's not as big as Crowder, and I think he's probably better uh, on the perimeter defensively than Crowder. The only question I have, you know, at this at this stage of his career, but listening to his introductory interview, I really, I sort of like the character that he's going to bring to the Lakers too. I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. But I do think the Lakers could use one more wing. I, I thought it was interesting that after trading JaVale to Cleveland, acquiring Jordan Bill, uh, Bell and Alfonso McKinney, the Lakers Instagram page went ahead and introduced McKinney but not Bell. So we find out that Jordan Bell is going to be waived and stretched. So the Lakers guaranteed him $580,000 and say thank you but no thank you. I mean, I would make that deal right now with anybody who wants to make it out there. So, you know, he's going to get close to 200 grand a year for the next few years. He's going to be good to go. And I think for the Lakers, you're looking at a situation now where your your basic rotation is is, is set. I mean, and this Lakers team is obviously deep, and, and this this includes Anthony Davis obviously being back in the puzzle. And I think now you just try to find you know that guy or two, whether it's a wing, whether it's a big, or, or another position we haven't identified in in the point or. I don't, I don't think shooting guard, I think they'll be okay But at this point. But maybe at the point, um, the Lakers can look to sort of find one of those guys that either wants to join the Lakers because he knows he's got a shot at the title or maybe somebody who's going sort of undervalued and, and under the radar. Either way, the Lakers can only offer minimum deals and they're right up against the hard cap. Yeah, it's they're definitely versatile. Um, I think as far as oh, – hang on, Alexa's talking. <laughs> uh, I think as far as um, – the, the versatility of everything, like you said, yeah. Getting rid of Jordan Bell, I think, is a good move because for everything you gain in Montrez Harrell, he can be he can stretch defensively, uh, but he can't stretch offensively. He doesn't shoot three-pointers, and so this needs to be a team that needs to have a little bit more three-point shooting-oriented uh, players. And so, yeah, that's sort of where they, where they need to look. JC, bringing back Markeith Morris on a one-year minimum deal, 
I mean, this was not something that I expected, especially after Marcus signed for $64 million, okay? And, and that's obviously different, different players despite you know, being identical twins. But I love that Markeith Morris, I think he really felt welcomed by this Lakers team. I think he felt wanted. And I, that's a, such a huge component that we as humans just often overlook. There's this great video, and I forget what the uh, Instagram account that posted it was, so forgive me if you're out there listening. But it was when Markeith Morris first joined the Lakers after he got bought out and signed up by the Lakers. Uh, and, you know, they're welcoming, welcoming him to uh, the dog pound, basically, uh, before a game in the tunnel. And, and Markeith just has this raw smile on his face, man. Like, he's just so happy. And I think there's so much to be said for that because it's a culture piece. And it really makes guys want to be there and, and give every day. And if that's the standard that LeBron uh, and Anthony Davis and, and the organization is setting on a day-in, day-out basis, from a fan perspective, what more could you want? Yeah, I, I totally wasn't expecting Marquise to come back. I thought um, the two of them played so well when they played together in Phoenix. I, I feel like it's always kind of been their plan to get back together at some point. And no time like the present seemed, you know, no better time than the present seemed to present itself when Mark, when the Clippers lost Montrez. I thought for sure they would re-sign Marcus, and that's where Marquise would go to both both be on the Clippers. So I'm really happy that uh, Rob Palenka was able to pull that off. I'm really surprised, and I'm really happy as well. So let's kind of take a look at this Lakers roster. Obviously, that's what we're here to do on this post-free agency show. By this point in the show, we should probably mention that if you're not following us on Twitter, at Lakers. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you hit that follow button because you won't miss a show that way. Of course, you always got to subscribe anywhere where pods are found. And follow the hosts themselves on Twitter. JC is at JCDillion1. And I am at Ethan underscore Noroff. Just one F on the Noroff. And so when we go back to this Lakers roster, JC, I just look up and down and I say, man, you know, for for – I think the Lakers had surprising depth. It's what I like to call it last year, right? Like nobody was banking on Alex Caruso to play this, the sort of major role that he wound up playing. Nobody was banking on Dwight Howard to come off the bench and play the role that he played. I'm going back to the start of the season, right? And so they had that quote-unquote surprising depth. Everybody was talking about Kyle Kuzma, who wound up playing a lesser role than so many anticipated. And I think now with the reconstruction and the reconfiguration of the Lakers roster literally on the fly – Rob Palenka has created not only depth on paper, but also, I mean, true depth. Like, this is a team that is legitimately too deep at every position. Yeah, like, I, I posed the question on Twitter the other day, and kind of joking, but also thinking about that Game 6 result that won him in the finals. Like, is it a crazy thought to think that Caruso could be a starter on this team since Schroeder is used to coming off the bench, you know, uh, Montrez is used to coming off the bench. So if you have your starting lineup, be Caruso, KCP, just like it was in the finals, LeBron, AD, and then Marcus Gasol being that veteran big that'll sort of set the tone defensively. I don't know how many minutes he'll end up playing, but I also made the point on Twitter that the Lakers play, played so many minutes without JaVale. Like, he would always start the game, but he wouldn't end up playing as many minutes. And Mark, on the season last year, did average more minutes per game than JaVale. And so, you know, that's why he's obviously, obviously probably going to be the starter there. And so... Yeah, to, for setting defensive tone in general, I didn't know if it was a crazy thought to think that Caruso could be the starter on this team and have your second unit be more offensive-oriented, which is kind of the problem. When LeBron would sit, the offense would kind of sit with him. So if you have Schroeder and Harrell on, on offense to, to, to lead the second unit, yeah, why couldn't Caruso start? 
I completely 100% agree with you, man. I think that is and should be the starting lineup. I, I love the logic behind it. I think Schroeder and Harrell would be great in the second unit. I think they're thinking about that pick and roll all day long. And I think that when you put Kuzma in there as well, I mean, you're really cooking with, with grease, man, not to mention Marquise. That's, that's, that's beyond solid. And especially if you're talking about bringing Wes Matthews off the bench to go with that unit, I mean, they could do a full line hockey change. I don't know how often the Lakers are planning to do that, but they have the legitimate ability to do that. And that's what's going to make them, you know, so not only dangerous to play from a talent perspective, obviously we know the core of talent that's there, but just during a regular season, especially in this compressed regular season, now the Lakers, don't be surprised if they get off to a, you know, maybe a slower than anticipated start as the team that's had the least rest and a team that who's, you know, LeBron ain't 27 years old anymore, okay? But in terms of the like Lakers' ability to keep up on within the regular season, I think this depth is going to help them do that and, and not feel so taxed during the regular season because there, there were times last season, like you said, when LeBron sat the offense sat with him and there was nobody who could really carry this team god forbid anthony davis had a had an off night you know if if anthony davis is sitting down for a game for load management or lebron is sitting down for a game for load management and you can have one of those two playing and score their 20 to 25 points but then also get you know 30 or 35 points from a combined Schroeder and harrow which is not an unrealistic ask then you have this Lakers team has an offensive ceiling that it may not have had last year for as impressive as they were and played at certain parts of the year. How's this? I think Mark Gasol is the second best pa- second best passer on the Lakers after LeBron. That's yeah. That's one thing. I I think LeBron has played with good passing centers before. He's played with Shaq for one season. Um, I know he's a, he's played with good passing centers before. I don't know that he's played with a passer a passing center is quite as good as Mark Gasol. And that'll kind of free up. Um, I mean, there's a lot of options for LeBron too. He he can be the de facto point guard on this team. I don't think he's in a position where he has to have the ball 90% of the time like he's used to. Maybe he can sort of have it 85% of the time or even 80 and just kind of let see see what the other teams can can do. And, and you made a great point about how this team might start out. So, like, this is a big chemistry set, this roster. And, and yeah, they're going to have to experiment and see what pieces fit. Um, one of the pieces I like, some people were wondering if, if – as talented as Kyle Kuzma is, he might find himself as as the the square peg in the round hole in this roster. But I think one thing that will help him immensely, he played a lot of minutes at the four last year because as versatile and deep as this team was last year, he did play an odd amount of of power forward uh, a lot of times. And so I think if you if you have him be a really big two or a three, which is kind of is, he's kind of he's six ten, but he's a little wiry, so a three is kind of more where he fits. No more minutes at the four. I think that's only going to serve to help him out more than than he played better than he played last year. No, I totally agree with that. I think this reconstruction will take a lot of, a lot of the pressure off of Kuzma to feel like he has to be that guy and that he can continue to play in that similar or same role or even build uh, from the role that he kind of showcased uh, during the postseason and uh, during uh, different parts of the finals. So we'll see how that shakes out for the Lakers down low along the front line. And I think the starting of Gasol makes sense. I think the starting of Caruso makes sense, man. And I think that whole that whole group's ability to just be able to mesh. I mean, I think about a, a scenario where LeBron and AD can play a pick and roll or, you know, Mark Gasol can be passing out of the post. I, I, I think truly with the Gasol take, you know, so many people look at him and, and who haven't, haven't watched him, right? Not like I've watched 
thousands of hours of tape on him, but I've watched enough, right? More than just when the Lakers play the Raptors, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here like, okay, I know Gasol is toward, you know, the sunset stages of his career, but he can still be effective defensively. Plus, he's a good communicator out there. Offensively, he still has skills. Yes, laterally, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but the reality is you're talking about a guy who's going to come in and play the JaVale role basically, not in the same way that JaVale played the JaVale role because that's a one-on-one, okay? But in terms of he's going to play maybe 15 to 20 minutes, right, because you have to figure that Montrez is going to play his 20 to 23, 24 minutes. AD is going to get some minutes at center. So it's not like Gasol is coming in to play 30 minutes a game. And if you're sitting here telling me that you wouldn't rather have Mark Gasol than either Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee, Hell, JC, I'll take Marcus Salt over both Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee on the same roster. Like, am I crazy? No, you're not. I mean, I, I was a little concerned about Gasol just because of his age and, and his 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 a little slower. But um, he's he's is he is a smart player, just like LeBron is and Rondo was on this team. And so, yeah, he's a much smarter center than than JaVale and Dwight. And so, in that instance, I think he'll definitely help. Him being a good, great passer is definitely help, and he's a really good three point shooter. Um, he's one of those guys. Um, every time I see him shoot a three, it just seems like he never missed because he's got such a pretty shot, and it seems like it always goes in. And that's not something the Lakers got from their center position really at all, except when AD was playing the five last year was the ability to space the floor. So especially in that starting lineup where you have both LeBron and AD, I think that's really going to help all of those guys, you know. And I think for the Lakers now, you're you're probably looking now. Do I think Jared Dudley could be back? I guess, like, obviously he holds value within this team. He seems to be tight within the LeBron circle, et cetera, et cetera. Part of me, I I really value Jared Dudley's leadership, what he does for the community. He's always hooking Lakers fans up with tickets on on Twitter and all of that. Like, he is the the guy. He's the ambassador. But he's sort of like Udonis Haslam, right? Like, he's ceremonial. If you have to put him into a game – you're either up 30 or down 30, and either way, there's a minute left to go. So I might prefer somebody who could actually play if he had to prior to Markeith Morris signing on the minimum, which I, again, did just did not think that was going to be a possibility. I tossed out a name like Anthony Tolliver, who is you know in that Jared Dudley role, but in the same way can actually come in and play minutes. I think the Lakers need to at least be cognizant of that for one of their two uh, last remaining roster spots because I do think they're going to keep one roster spot open going into uh, going into the season for flexibility. Yeah, I think I think they should keep their eye on the buyout market. I don't think I think they should leave one roster spot open for for buyout market just because I don't I don't want them to be in a position where last year a guy like Troy Daniels who who played some productive minutes and I had he had a really good three point shot I was kind of sad to see him go. But when the buyout options are there, I was like, well, he's, he kind of has to go. Um, yeah, this the way this team is set up right now, I kind of like all the pieces. Even some of the pieces that didn't play a lot last year, like Kaycock and Costa Santa Cupo and, of course, THT. I'd love to see all of them get more minutes. And so I don't want to, I don't want them to be in a position to be like, well, you know, we really like X, but we have to get rid of him because other player became available through buyout. And then because all that does is kind of give another player another – a talented player to another team like Troy Daniels went to Denver. I do, I do think that, you know, there, there's a possibility that Kaycock could be on the Lakers roster as that additional big, but his problem, quote unquote problem is that he's not really a big, 
he's kind of like Trez, right? He's like six eight, maybe six nine. I say that as somebody who's standing five foot eight. So like, don't <laughs> listen to me on height. You know, in terms of NBA center size, it's not like he's six eleven. I think that's part of what's working against his rise to the NBA. Yeah, and he's not quite built the way like like Trez is. Um, one of the interesting things about Montrez is. Clippers fans are going to try to downplay it because they're they're upset about the loss. But yeah, I think I see a lot of people kind of misunderstanding how to use a guy like Trez, and that's something I think like LeBron will, will solve that problem without any issue. A lot of people were saying, "Well, how's he going to play when he clogs the lane?" Well, I was watching highlights of him play. Just because he doesn't shoot three pointers doesn't mean he clogs the lane. He moves around a lot, and he and you get him an ISO. He's actually a really good ISO player, which is a huge relief to AD LeBron. In that second unit, if you need somebody to ISO and get a bucket, he can do it. Well, JC, I feel like Trez was an unexpected signing, okay? And I want to break that down. But before I can break that down, I feel like I have to get into something that is expected, which is just general man grooming. And this time, I'm not going to tell our listeners about anything for their junk, but instead for their nose. Especially in this COVID-19 season, there is a new Manscaped product. Manscaped just released the weed whacker for your nose and for your ears. It's like puberty all the time everywhere. So you got to make sure you're taking care of yourself, okay? This premium Manscaped weed whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. So if you really haven't gotten in there in a long time, you really got to get into this, okay? Look, I'm going to make it really, really simple for you. 79% of partners polled for this poll admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. That's four out of every five honeys. So you know what you got to do. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code HOOPBALL20. Your nose will thank you. All right, so back to Trez. I was shocked. What was your initial reaction? Because I was shocked. I mean, there was a little bit of surprise there, but as, as we kind of talked about it in text, and, and I had alluded to a few episodes ago, um, you know, people joke about the, the Clutch connection and all the different players that, that are represented by Clutch that play for the Lakers. And so because of that, when the season ended and people noticed that Trez was a free agent and that he was a clutch client, people were like, pay attention to that. And I kind of started exploring it. And I'm like, it, it kind of makes sense. I, if it were to happen, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really surprise me. And, and, you know, I kind of kept, I should have been louder about it all along. It's one of those things where when it, when it happened, I wasn't a hundred percent surprised. Um, I thought a signing like that was going to come with some sacrifices. Like I wouldn't have expected Trez and like, Markeith to both come back. Um, that's something I didn't expect. And like even maybe maybe KCP, I felt like if they were going to sign Trez to the mid-level, they were going to break up the amount of money that they would have paid, paid KCP to like three or four different players. And they didn't do that. They, they signed all three. I really just, I'm really surprised. And I know you, you were on the Trez thing much more than I was. I think what I'm, okay, let me go in my order of surprises on the Montrez Herald market. I argue with with some. I uh, actually argue with Brandon a lot. The Clippers, uh, our Clippers host over at the Clip, uh, the Clippers podcast that we have on the Hoopball Clips, and you know he does a great job. He's a great dude, but we always disagree about the Clippers. That's what it's like. So predictable, okay? 
And and when Jamichael left for Denver, I said, oh, this makes Trez, bringing back Trez even more important. And he's like, no, it doesn't. Zubats to be playing 28 to 30 and all the numbers show that Trez is better. Uh, or the Clippers are better without Trez on the floor. He's a defensive liability, et cetera, et cetera. This is where I, I feel like I'm sometimes on an island when I balance the analytics with the eye test. And I really try not to divorce one in favor of the other. And I'm not saying that's what Brandon or what anyone else would do. But this is where I just find myself struggling with my thought process because, you know, Trez played a lot of his time with guys like Lou Williams, for example, a defensive sieve, right? Because of what he is just physically. There's certain guys he's not going to be able to defend. He's an offensive player. So I feel like so many of these advanced stats, you know, like any even basic stats, they allow you to tell the story that you want to tell. My piece with Trez is I thought he would get more money. I thought he'd get more guaranteed money. You know how Myers, uh, not Myers, well, Myers Leonard got two and 20, but the second year is a team option. So, okay, at least I kind of get that. But even so, you're talking about, you know, both Trez and Serge Ibaka having to take two and, and 19 and a half versus a guy like Miles Plumley or Mason Plumley getting uh, $25 million from Detroit. So I, I, I felt like that was part of my surprise. Second part of the surprise was obviously the fact that, you know, he was uh, brought in to, uh, to play for the Lakers. You know, I, I really thought the, Cl- the Clippers would have made uh, a better attempt to keep him. And I thought the Clippers would have maybe presented a greater urgency. But they clearly didn't really want him. And when, you know, Dwight Howard announced that he was coming back to the Lakers and then he deleted that tweet right away, I sat here and I said, look, one of two things happened. You know, the Lakers and Dwight had a deal. Um, and then the Lakers either were in on a player that they never expected to be on or, you know, Dwight got an offer he never expected to, uh, to have. And, of course, it was the Lakers being in on Trez because I think that materialized really quickly. And, you know, I, I just think it's, it's a surprising signing for me, but it, it, it does make sense when you think about more of the factors behind it. And I think Trez probably, will, from, a, from an individual standpoint, would probably be viewed in a better light coming out of a Lakers blow, assuming they go on to win again. I know it's a big assumption, but just go with me here. But assuming they go out on to win again, I think Trez's contributions will be put in more of a productive light. And I think the recency bias of the bubble hurt him. I don't care what anybody says. And, you know, for how close he was with his grandmother and, and how traumatic that was for him, I, I really just can't take anything statistically from that. Yeah, I mean, it was the first thing that he mentioned uh, in his first, like, official interview with uh, the Lakers uh, show on Spectrum um, was he talked about the loss of his grandmother. And so, yeah, the bubble was, was hard on a lot of people. I think it's, it's after that long of a layoff, I think it's it's hard to, and, it, and in the end, it, we haven't talked about Danny Green much, but, yeah, he didn't have the best performance in the bubble either. And so... Yeah, I think that I think that situation affected a lot of people differently, and I don't, you know, whether it benefited some players or whether it didn't. Like a TJ Warren had a really great performance in the bubble. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to say like how much of that was really real or, or you know artificial. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I know it can apply to a lot of players. So you know, all right, let's keep focusing on the Lakers additions, and then we'll get to the departures. So we've gone over Harold. You know, we've talked about Keith coming back. Uh, KCP coming back, JC, I can't undersell the importance of KCP coming back, especially because of how great of a fit he is for the roster and especially because really who the hell else were the Lakers going to sign in free agency to replace that production? Bradley was not a huge loss, but for the same money, you know, 
I thought it was just sort of an interesting loss. It does take away something from the perimeter. But I think Wesley Matthews can be better because I think he's a better shooter and I think he's a better player even though they're at different stages of their careers. And I think bringing KCP back was just huge. And the fact that his contract is only uh, guaranteed for around $5 million in the third year, I mean, it's, it's just it seems like a winning proposition all the way around. KCP's contracts have been nothing but weird for the Lakers, but somehow I feel like it's going to wind up working out in, both, in the sides of both. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it puts him in a position, especially with that, that weird third year being only for $5 million, It kind of puts him into a position where he can earn himself another raise in two years, just like he did this year. So there's no reason for him to think that now that he's got his money, he's going to kind of be lazy about it and, and sort of uh, uh, you know digress. No, I think I think there's a there's a real standard that he really rose to last season, and I think he takes great pride in it. And I think he knows what he's playing for with his team every night. You know, when you're playing with greatness, JC, obviously playing with LeBron, playing with Anthony Davis, you're motivated to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And I think he's another guy who will just benefit from the overall upgrade of talent around him, right? So kudos to bringing KCP. Wesley Matthews, man, just, it just made too much sense not to happen. There was too much smoke behind the fire. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And pretty much, you know, as soon as free agency opened, we learned that he was coming in. I was a little bit surprised that it took the biannual to get him instead of a, a minimum. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to argue about that because if he didn't take the biannual, I'm sure Marcus all would have. So, you know, it just us- that's usually how it goes. And three and D guys are, more, are most in demand in this league right now. Let me add, especially if you, you can shoot the ball, just look at what guys like, you know, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Joe Harris, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think for the Lakers, you know, although Schroeder was not a free agency acquisition, it was acquired via trade, I think bringing him in, you know, you do lose something from – you know, Rondo from a leadership perspective, okay, I get that. Like, LeBron is going to listen to Rondo. I can't tell you that LeBron is going to listen to Dennis Schroeder, even if the games are comparable and the explanations are comparable. But at the same time, you feel like it's a talent upgrade. So, again, just looking up and down this roster, you know, Danny Green did good things for this Lakers team. Rajar Rondo obviously was huge in the playoffs and especially in the finals. Uh, and in terms of, you know, JaVale and Dwight, you know, they both had their moments. But to me – None. There's nobody who left this Lakers roster in the offseason that I said, well, that's going to be now a position of weakness for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, everything they lost, they they improved from. They either kind of got something equal back in return or they improved upon. Um, it's, so, yeah, I mean, it, I, I was really happy to see one season of LeBron play with Dwight because, like, five, six years ago, the you know, the debate would have been, like, who's the best player in the league? Is it Dwight or is it LeBron? Um, and to see them play together um, on the same team, there was one or two moments every game where the two of them together was just simply unfair, and it was really beautiful to watch. Uh, same with Rondo. Rondo kind of had a contentious relationship with LeBron or towards LeBron from their days when they played in the Eastern Conference, and, and when the two of them signed, I didn't think they would get along, but they got along really beautifully. Um, I even made the joke where... Rondo signing in Atlanta, and he can he can mentor Trey Young, and when Trey Young's a free agent, oh look who his, his look who his agent is, uh, 
it's good it's rich paul um so yeah that's so rondo's a big loss dwight's a big loss um javel you know the way people have kind of clowned javel his whole career and sort of him having a resurgence with, with golden state and then with uh the lakers sad to see him go but i understand and the same with danny green he, he had a rough time in the bubble missed a few important shots but i mean he was important to what this team did but everything they, they lost they they gained back i mean it's it's really been a, a pleasure to watch this fast and furious offseason unfold and i think you know now that we've had the opportunity to let the majority of the the offseason all of the week that it's been uh not even actually it's been five days after as of this exact moment in time but training camp winter camp call it whatever you want is literally going to be arriving next week the lakers are going to have a short time to sort of put the pieces in place and you know they got to get anthony davis under contract uh quinn cook is a guy who i don't think the lakers will miss on the court but you know he was a guy who was good in the locker room i do think the lakers are going to have to sort of be cognizant of that and just speaking of Dwight and LeBron reminded me of the fact that you know sort of surreal that uh, DeMarcus Cousins is headed to the Rockets on a non-guaranteed training camp invite to back up 41 million dollar man Christian Wood not that Christian Wood is undeserving of that money or of the role it's just you know time is undefeated and, and truly you know truly undefeated and so I just think you know how the NBA always evolves and the landscape shift and you know, the Lakers are really sitting in a great position because not only do they have this still the best player in the league, but they have, you know, a, a slam dunk top five player in the league and in, in a, some people's opinions, top three player in the league with Anthony Davis. And I think that, you know, that gives the ability for the Lakers to not only continue to recruit new talent, but also, you know, stay flexible for those opportunities that do arrive. And, and, if, and if Giannis does become available, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Lakers are going to sign him. But I think they're, they'll do everything to keep themselves in the conversation, just like they did with Kawhi. Yeah, and yeah, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. That's interesting that Miami would sort of go all in on Bam uh, this early because they, maybe they know something that nobody else does, or they see the writing on the wall. It's yeah, I think it'd be a little unfair the season coming up to just kind of speculate, especially if Giannis doesn't sign an extension by the time the season starts. It's going to be an entire season of speculating on where he goes, and that could get kind of tired. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not an impossible thing to imagine, I don't think. Um, his his brother really enjoys playing here. The way the way he, Giannis is pumping up uh, Costas this summer in his Instagram, having been a champion, you can tell Giannis wants a piece of that, whether it be in Milwaukee or coming to L.A. with, with his brother and bringing his brother with him to his other brother to, to L.A., yeah, it's 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 something to think about. It could be kind of interesting. I believe that uh, Giannis has a deadline to sign his supermax. Is that correct? I think so. But I'm not sure when it is. He does. I believe that deadline is before the season uh, before the season starts. So that should certainly be interesting to see what the decision is. Obviously, uh, I will be curious in terms of where he winds up with his thought process making uh is drew holiday i went to high school with drew holiday i love drew i think he's a phenomenal addition for milwaukee i do think they paid definitely a a pretty price to acquire him um but i do think he'll help the team bogdan bogdanovich would have been a great addition unfortunately that obviously fell through so they wound up keeping dante divincenzo and they wound up 
re-signing uh, uh, Connaughton, and they wound up, you know, doing some things around the edges. Is it good enough? Uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not, especially if um, remains to be seen if there might be a big move happening for Brooklyn and Houston or Houston and Philadelphia. Um, for all the ways that the, the East kind of got, some of the teams in the East got better. I think Milwaukee's still in a good position to be the best team in the East, but yeah, I don't know if, if that really amounts to much because the West is still so strong. Yeah, I think the I think the Lakers I think the Lakers have to can be considered the favorites, especially on paper. And, and you know, not to bag on the Clippers, but I really look at the Clippers and I sort of wonder how they're going to improve because they don't have financial flexibility. They really don't have trade assets. Uh, trading away Shamit in that three team deal to acquire Luke Kennard, uh, I thought that I moved for them. But I kind of just look at them and I think Williams is really their only trade asset, and I kind of wonder where it's going to come from. Yeah, losing Shandry, Shandry Lamette was a weird one. Um, as, as players, as, as Clippers players, kind of kept moving on other teams when that happened. I was just like, man, who else is jumping chip? It's, it seemed really weird. Well, I think you know we'll, we'll keep the focus on Lakers, but I don't think want to keep it Lakers centric. Here's what I'll say: I don't think the conversation is going to be Lakers versus Clippers going into next season like it was last year or earlier this year, depending or earlier a month ago, whatever you want to say. But you know, I think the conversation is going to be more about Lakers versus everybody else. I don't think there's a team in either conference that you really look at and say, okay, this team stacks up really well against the Lakers. I think you know, from the Eastern Conference, Brooklyn could be that team. Uh, assuming Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant and assuming the connection with Kyrie Irving works, I think that's the great unknown, especially under Steve Nash's guidance. But that's a, that's a fascinating storyline. I think the Lakers are a more known product, and people tend to gravitate toward the new entity to start things versus believing in the unknown for the sake of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and for yeah for the Clippers, as far as like them being Clippers versus Lakers sort of thing, I think one of the things that a lot of people talked about, while they still have... Kawhi and Paul George. The Lakers do still have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And last year, you would you would kind of give the edge a little bit to the bench, at least at the start of the season, especially with guys like Montrez, Lou Williams, things like that. But yeah, now they're in a position where the Clippers are still going to be really good, but that depth advantage they had over the Lakers, or the perceived depth advantage they had, is definitely gone. And yeah, I don't know if any team in the West is, is as deep as this Lakers team. I'm really curious. I, 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 I would be very tempted if I weren't so into building out my baseball card collection at the moment. I would be very t- tempted to put an early wager on the Lakers' uh, total win, total win this season. Yeah, they're the odds-on favorite over at mybookie.ag at plus three hundred. And speaking of mybookie.ag, uh, I have talked before about the odds boost promos that they have. They only do it a few times a year. They're doing it once again this Black Friday. They haven't laid out the full details yet. The way it worked at the beginning of um, college basketball, college football season uh, a few months ago was for 12 hours, there was one different bet every hour you could make, and they swung the odds massively in your favor. And the payouts weren't huge, but if you took all 12 bets, and I believe of the 12 bets, 10 of them hit, um, you pocketed a pretty, pretty easy amount of money, a pretty good amount of money very easily. So they're doing that odds boost this Friday on Black Friday. And tomorrow, by the time this posts Thanksgiving Day, uh, if you bet the Houston Texas versus, versus the Lions, uh, they are they will cover up to $250 of your bet. If you 
make the bet $250. If you lose, they will refund that in money that you can then bet somewhere else. And uh, at mybookie.ag, use promo code HOOPBALL, and they will also match your deposit if you're a first-time user of mybookie.ag. So mybookie.ag, you bet with them, you win with them, you get paid with them, and you will win some money this Friday, I guarantee it. I mean, that sounds like a win, win, win all the way around. How 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 could you lose there? Yeah, like I, I normally don't kind of take single straight bets like tomorrow, but if I lose and I'm going to get that money back that I can bet with on Friday, then I'm just going to do that. So I went ahead and took the max bet for tomorrow, and whether that wins or loses, either way I'll be okay come Friday because I'll just put that money back towards bets that will probably hit. I mean, that's the way to keep the gravy train rolling. I mean, unless unless you're pulling out a Mike Trout auto, which we're still looking for over here, I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, there's there seems to be a good way to make money easy on this holiday weekend. Hopefully, everybody's going to feast on food and free cash over at mybookie.ag. For me, JC, I kind of just wonder if the Lakers are going to how I guess how aggressively they will they will fill out the remainder of the roster with those two spots because as we mentioned the timeline is very very short so how aggressive will they go into the market and is there anyone who's currently available i know we're talking about you know sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel here but is there anyone who's currently available that stands out to you and say huh kind of surprised he's still available and he might be a fit for the lakers there's there's been some interesting names um some that that some people might find interesting uh especially being like huge fans of lebron the way i am um and he and this guy had a good season last year. Uh, Shabazz Napier. Uh, he's only six feet tall, so you're not really looking at him to be a, a three and D wing. So he's not going to defend really taller players. But he's a good three point shooter. He can run an offense. He's a player that LeBron liked coming out of college. Um, they liked him so much. Miami drafted him, and then LeBron kind of bolted back to Cleveland. And Shabazz didn't have the best uh, rookie year. Probably probably succumbed to a lot of the pressure that LeBron put on him because of that. But he's he's only been in the league five years, and he's beginning to have um, he's kind of in that in that space where he's going to be a journeyman, but he's going to be a productive journeyman. And so, kind of like that. Um, there's veteran players like an Evan Turner, um, Emmanuel Mudiay is another is another name who's in a situation kind of like Shabazz Napier was was highly heralded coming out of, coming out of his draft. Hasn't really produced the way people thought he was going to. Um, so I think Moutier is someone who, who's, whose career can sort of be resurrected in L.A. Um, other vets that have played with LeBron uh, can give you minutes or buckets for a couple of minutes. Kyle Korver is available. Uh, I like him a lot. He's played with LeBron. That sort of worked. Um, I was going to ask you if you thought Korver was coming through that door. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be cool. I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't be opposed. And he and he wasn't he wasn't more than a three point shooter last year. He did a little bit more. He was a, he was a good player for Milwaukee last year. Let me give you some interesting names to chew on over there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, out. It's Gordon Hayward acquisition. Whether they're going to sign him and stretch Batum, or whether they're going to sign and trade and try to trade Batum somewhere so they don't have to eat the money outright, but it'll cost them picks. Whatever they do, there's Batum is probably no matter what going to be playing definitely going to be playing somewhere else next season i mean even if okc brought him into an exception which would be a complicated piece that they'd have to wait uh you know for like to aggregate danny green's salary in a trade and whatever cap logistics that i don't know those those gymnastics okay but something like that 
I can't see Batum playing for OKC, so I just feel like he's going to be playing not you know on a, on a team of his choosing, let's say. So I think the Lakers are kind of waiting out that situation, but you can't wait that out forever. Uh, but I think he could be interesting. Uh, Glenn Robinson III is a guy who I've mentioned on Twitter. I may or may not have brought him up in the show. I can't remember at this point. I think he could possibly be helpful in that 3 and D role. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson doesn't have enough of a shot for me. Same thing about like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. And I think Damari Carroll is probably just on the other side at this point in terms of you know his his productiveness in, or his productivity in an NBA rotation. Let me give you a name I hadn't considered but came across recently, and it kind of made me write, raise my eyebrow. Tyler Johnson. Uh, I saw that too when I was looking. I was looking at the, my list of players. I saw Shabazz Napier, and like two underneath him, I saw Tyler Johnson. Um, yeah, he's he's someone I like a lot too. Um, he's not going to be a great defender, and he's on the shorter end, kind of like Shabazz Napier. So he's not going to defend taller players, but he can run an offense. He can shoot the three. Uh, he's an excitable player. Um, yeah, I kind of kind of like Bumpy Johnson. I, I think that could be an interesting consideration despite the concerns that, that you listed. Now, what I really like to do is be able to use the offense or specifically a three-point shot of Marco Bellinelli and the defense from Shaq Harrison and fuse them into one player and sign that player for the Lakers. I feel like that would be really welcome. Uh, if I had to pick one of the two, I'd probably lean toward, I'd probably lean toward Bellinelli for the shooting. But I'm so intrigued by Shaq Harrison. I think he. I'm really surprised the Bulls didn't keep him around. Uh, there's nobody else on this market who really, really excites me. Uh, if you're looking at a big man, uh, there isn't really like that rim protector that you, you think of right off the bat. Hassan Whiteside went to Sacramento today. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn is a guy who's interesting, but you know, not a rim protector. Uh, Taj Gibson, same same story, and I don't. I wouldn't sign Taj Gibson anyway. So. We're talking about bottom of the barrel names here, but there's there's a couple, at least a couple of semi intriguing possibilities for the Lakers, and that's the nicest way I can endorse that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways uh, they can go. I still wouldn't be surprised if, as much as he's moved around, Trevor Ariza is bought out and sort of makes his way back to L.A. Um, but I think he's somebody who you kind of envision him in being that veteran role. Uh, at the end of the bench, and if you're going to have somebody like that, you'd kind of rather have somebody who's going to be an ambassador, like you said, a leader, and sort of guy who brings the community together. And that's definitely a Jared Dudley for the the last last spot on the bench. Well, the good news is, no matter who winds up filling out the roster, no matter where you're trying to watch the Lakers games from, you will be able to do it with Express VPN. And I know that there are tons of VPN providers out there, and you've probably heard of a couple of them but in some of them you may have even and some of you have even may have used the vpn before but i can say with full confidence that expressvpn is the best vpn on the market expressvpn does not log your data period second it's the speed i've tried a few vpns in the past many of them okay slowed my internet connection down and made my device sluggish I've been using ExpressVPN for the last couple of months, and my internet speeds are blazing. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag. And it's not just me saying this. It's Wired, The Verge, CNET, many other tech experts rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN in the world. 
you got to align greatness with that Lakers brand, JC. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and we trust at Hoopball Lakers. Use the link expressvpn.com slash hoopball to get an extra three months free on your one-year package. So that is 15 months for the price of 12, 20% of the year on, uh, excuse me, 25% of the year uh, on us at Hoopball. And as a former math teacher, I'm embarrassed that I make that math mistake, but it's getting late. <laughs> it's getting late early on the West Coast. It's been a long day, the day before Thanksgiving, and I've had a lot of excitement flowing through me as we have gone through this Lakers roster, so you'll have to forgive me on that one. Yeah, no, no worries there. <laughs> All right, so if you're looking up and down at this at this Lakers roster, we've noted the improvements. We know we've seen the dust settle around the NBA now. I'm a fantasy basketball guy, JC, so I got to sneak it in here. Is LeBron an easy first-round pick this year? Because last year it was sort of on the bubble there in the 8th, ninth, 10th overall, even in some leagues. And we know AD is an easy first-round pick, but is LeBron an easy first-round pick? Um, I don't think so. I kind of watched that episode of The Barbershop that he did with, with Barack Obama, and he was kind of joking about how uh, you know he, he's going to cherry-pick the first half of the season or – even Danny Green said he he might skip uh, the first month of the season because of the short layoff. Um, it won't be to that extreme, but I do think that he'll he'll pace himself. Um, I don't think you'll see him kind of start to ramp up production until maybe mid January. Um, I think I think you'll see, I think he'll have really good games. I think, but you'll see you'll you'll catch him in interviews post game a lot, saying how out of shape he is and how much he's gonna you know work towards things. I think he's gonna kind of pace himself a little bit. I agree with you on that, and I, and I agree with some of the early season concerns because he has just had such a ridiculously short layoff. Of course, he wouldn't be LeBron if he wasn't in the gym like three days after they won the damn title. But, you know, that's what makes him who he is. And a, a slow start for LeBron is a quick start for like 95% of the world, probably 99.9% of the world, actually. Sorry about that, LeBron. So for me, I, I don't know that he's, you know, the guy I'd definitely be targeting with my first-round pick, but... If he falls to me in the right situation, I'm probably still pulling the trigger without any level of hesitation. Is there any place on this Lakers roster, JC, that you look up and down and you just can't find uh, sort of that that player or that area of strength that you want? Or do you look up and down and say, this team is the leading example for what a roster should look like? Well, one, one area of, of their defense that was uh, pretty prevalent last year was shot blocking and rim protecting. And you don't have a lot of that this year. But I do think that uh, Frank Vogel is a good enough defensive coach to where he can sort of uh, put together a scheme where that's not going to be as much of an issue. I think um, Gasol is a pretty good rim protector. Um, Harrell is, is all right as a rim protector. But, yeah, you definitely don't have the ability to protect the rim the way uh, Dwight and JaVale did. And that's something that I think you're asking more of the perimeter defenders to take a greater responsibility there. And so that's why I think another 3 and D, at least one more wing, is, is important because McKinney can be, can be a D, but I don't, I don't see him being a 3. He doesn't have much of a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so for me, I'd like to see a little bit you know, more of an emphasis on that guy who can do it both ways. And I don't know that the perfect guy is, is sort of out there for that. I think that, you know, Jared Dudley or the idea of Jared Dudley like a decade ago would have been that guy. But, you know, that's a decade ago. Yeah. And, and seeing as how he went for the, the vet minimum in Sacramento, I think Hassan Whiteside could have been an interesting get. 
Um, but I think he's too much of an experiment uh, team chemistry-wise. And uh, he's someone who's been in the Miami Heat organization before. And I've heard, I've heard stories about um, Hassan can be kind of lazy and uh, very full of himself. And uh, he didn't fit in with that heat culture at all. And he didn't really mesh with LeBron James and um, Hassan's lack of work ethic. And so that, I don't think, would have been a really good mix. Uh, although Hassan was really productive last season. Um, not a surprise that he went for a vet minimum in a nowheresville like Sacramento. I mean, he returns the team that originally drafted him. And for me, I just think work ethic and ego have always been at the forefront of the concerns list when it comes to Hassan Whiteside. And he could be productive offensively, but, you know, defensively, when he commits to it, he's a game changer. When he loafs around, he's just sort of a, a liability out there. And I, I would not welcome him into the Lakers culture right now, especially after signing Trez to the deal that they did, because I think he's more of a distraction than anything else. The Lakers got to get, get away from these signings like J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters, uh, you know, all the best of both of them. And, you know, they, they create some great memeable moments. But I, I, I want the last, you know, chunk of that Lakers roster. If you're looking at Jared Dudley, J.R. Smith, and uh, Dion Waiters, that's one-fifth of the Lakers roster that really is unplayable. And I'm not telling you that you got to be 15 deep, but I think the Lakers should target guys who could play if they had to. Yeah, they're in a position where they can go uh, very low risk, mid to high reward, like a Batum, like a Shabazz Napier. You don't need to be high risk, mid to low return, in a JR Dion Waiters. I agree with you. So now that we're getting ready for the season to start, we will be back with you another two to three times a week. We're going to get ramped up here. This is the off season sort of recap off season week and a half recap of the off season that we're doing just before the Thanksgiving holiday to get everybody through the holiday for their beautiful listening. And I know everybody's sort of wondering like, okay, I'm ready to turn the clock to basketball after Thanksgiving starts because the season will only be three weeks out. And boy, don't we have the perfect thing for him, JC? Absolutely. So this is the time of year in which um, all of the different products that Hoopball has launches. It's a huge week for everyone at Hoopball. Um, there's a lot to go over. Um, we almost never push the Hoopball products, but this is the window during the year in which we need to power that engine. Uh, we have the draft guide. It's the flagship. It's our shining beacon, the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. I heard uh, Brew uh, talk about how much work he puts into it. Um, our guys last year went 400 players deep, and again, this year they did that. Uh, you get a future access pass to the Brewski 150. He's also talked about how much effort he's put into that and how much how he thinks this is one of the best uh, Brewski 150s he's put together in a long time, so you need to know that. Uh, the Brewski 150 is a fantasy draft list. It, it's beaten every other list for 10 straight years. And new for this year, Hoopball is unveiling the monthly membership plan. So if you're unable to commit to a season-long um, thing like like I usually am, uh, there's monthly memberships, which will cost a little bit more in the long run. But if you want to not play one month or not look into it one month, you can do that. Um, they have the Fantasy Pass, which includes the draft, the draft guide, the Brewski 150, uh, new DFS Pass, uh, that's uh, uh, in-season premium tools. Uh, there's also the wager pass. Uh, sports bettors uh, can take a look at Hoopball's picks and analysis from the Hoopball 360. The guys that, that make the picks in the wager pass, they definitely know what they're doing. Follow them at Hoopball Gaming, and you'll get all, all you'll learn all you need to know there. Uh, just head to Hoop. Hoop. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
head to hoop hoopball.com or follow hoopball fantasy on twitter and uh you can get access to all those products we are doing a one-stop shop for our listeners for our audience for everybody in the basketball community this season and you are going to need it with how fast this season will move jc do you think the lakers before we get out of here do you think the lakers will be more of an offensive team or defensive team this upcoming year um I think it's gonna it's gonna kind of wait mix mix around both times both ways I think I think the starting lineup will be more defensive and I think because of that yeah I think this is a team that'll rest on its defensive laurels I think come crunch time I think this is a team that will rest on stops rather than their own makes I think I think you're probably right about that and I think it's gonna take them some time to sort of get into their defensive identity, but I think they will build into that. But initially, I think they're going to beat teams with their sheer offensive capability uh, and just the potent potential of that revamp lineup. Very excited to, again, see a Lakers season that hopefully, hopefully does not get derailed by the pandemic. Hopefully, we make some progress in this world as we all look to resume some sense of normalcy. I hope to go to a Lakers game before the year 2025. So please, everybody in the world, just let's all do this crap together. And all I'm going to say about it. But until next time, you follow us at Hoopball Lakers on Twitter. You can find our show, the Hoopball Lakers podcast, anywhere it streams. JC is on Twitter, at JCDeLeon1. I'm at Ethan underscore Noroff. And the whole Hoopball Fantasy uh, family, at Hoopball Fantasy. And the whole Aaron Brewski chief commander boss man himself and the whole company at hoop ball tweets until next time have a wonderful thanksgiving stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you soon we out This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.